This is the Sound of Foghorn Podcast. Fiala intercepts again, trying to find the handle on it. He does. He scores! What a play by Fiala! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Now I'm proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, advanced stats, and much more. Sets up Molino, back to Boldy, shoots, and scores! The BC Kid returns home and scores his first. Goes to work for the Wild, centers one, Erickson Eck with a shot, he scores! Jewel Erickson Eck, he's the hero. Poked away Kaprizov, in for a chance to win it, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Buck. Hello and welcome in to Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall back with you, joined alongside, as always, by Zeke Boyat and Justin Baki. Coming at you on a rare Saturday, March 5th. It's weathering outside. Um, I don't know what to call it, so I'm just going to call it weathering. Um, it's Minnesota weathering <laughs> outside. Um, apologies for the late show this week, but I was on vacation last week. Um, we were planning to do a show Wednesday, and I had to grocery shop, and things just got crazy. And then they had back-to-back games, and we were hoping, eh, maybe we'll wait those out and have a more exciting show Saturday, and eh, not really. They did get one win, but just their second in the last seven. We'll spend most of the show today uh, breaking down and dissecting um, the things that we think are going wrong, maybe how they can correct them or not, and see if this team can right the ship here. Maybe a fresh month, get them back on the right track. We'll see what happens. But before we get in, to all of that, Zeke, my friend, how you doing on this Saturday evening? Uh, yeah, good. Just, uh, you know, kind of low-key typical Saturday. Just, you know, hanging out around. Obviously, the weather outside, it's been nice. Just not have to do much. And, uh, you know, just, you know, again, as usual, happy to do this podcast. And then uh, after this, we got uh, uh, Abs and Flames at 9 o'clock after this show. So that'll be a good way to end the night after the show here. Yeah, watch good hockey teams. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Justin, what about you? I'm doing well. I spent the morning at uh, the hockey rink for my son's hockey. We're coming up on one of the last couple weekends here for the season. And, and we'll get into spring clinics and baseball and such. But, uh, yeah, just kind of <clears throat> paying attention to the UMD St. Cloud game and just kind of the best time of year where kind of like before we talked on before the show, you know, everything's kind of coming together, the high school tournament, the college tournaments, and uh, you know, trade deadline, like you mentioned, Brett, it's just a lot of hockey overload right now. Yeah, March is a great month to be a hockey fan in Minnesota. Like, just just when you think you can't possibly have more, you're like, all right, welcome to March. The Wild play every other day. The state tournament starts next week. Then there's like a, what, a week, week and a half break. And then the NCAA tournament starts up. Just a great time if you're a basketball fan. March Madness is upon us as well. Just a, a good month for sports overall. 
There's probably something for basketball, but who cares? Um, usually spring training right around now too, but um, that's a whole nother beast in itself as that's not happening because the owners are selfish. Um, but this is a hockey podcast. Um, Justin, let's try to kick this off with some good news before we just um, lament in our sorrows for a while with a, a prospect update. Sounds good. I'll start with, I think, the best news quite possibly is Jesper Wallstead. You know, we had gotten news that he was injured and they weren't sure how serious it was, but uh, sounds like he's on the road to recovery and they expect him to play soon, which is really good news considering they weren't sure how serious it was. I guess he received a relatively positive message after his MRI, so that's good to hear. Excellent. Uh, the KHL playoffs have begun. I think they canceled the rest of the regular season and and jumped right in the playoffs. So Murat uh, Huznadinov picked up his first assist, his first uh, playoff point in the KHL. SK is up in their series. And then we have a couple other prospects, Fetlikov, who I don't think will ever touch the NHL, and Guskov for CSK. Uh, their team is up 2 nothing. I know Svetlakov, I believe he scored an empty net goal or something. But, uh, yeah, that's going on. And then... Jack McBain, he has five goals since coming back from the Olympics. He scored uh, tonight, actually, and he has six goals in his last – nine goals in his last six games played. And uh, just a note on him, quick, Justin, is that uh, I saw a tweet that apparently uh, Jeff Merrick on Sportsnet, I mean, we might have known this for a while, that he might consider holding out and not yeah. signing. So, and, he, and he also said that if that happens, that they're prepared to just trade him before – deadline oh. if they can get like a fifth round pick or something for him yeah. possibly so yeah, just thought I got that. that's kind of a guy i want to see what he can do in iowa and maybe fill in a, sure. a possible bottom six roll at the wild maybe boldy can convince him or something but yeah, yeah it's it's nice. let's talk about that for a sec because it is kind of an interesting situation if you're jack mcbain because i think you kind of look at all right if i go to minnesota i'm probably not in the nhl right away right but I think you also look at the situation Minnesota's in moving forward out of this year. Like, there could be a spot from the bottom six, but we do have, I mean, probably after this year, Nick Bukestead, Nico Sturm are probably out. Um, If you elevate Marco Rossi, your fourth line is most likely some combination of Connor Dewar, um, Freddie Goudreau potentially there, and then maybe like a Mason Shaw type, maybe another veteran Mm -hmm. depth. Like, they're... There's like one spot there, and that's probably the case going forward, probably the next two to three years. And so if he thinks to himself, well, do I want to fight for one spot? Do I want that to be on the fourth line? You know, I'm a big center. I'm a power forward. I'm having a great year. Maybe I go out and test. And if you're the wild in that situation, you say, hey, you know, maybe there's a market for this guy. Is a guy they formerly picked in the third round. I think that's where you try to maybe start the asking price, see if you can recoup at least that, um, you know, that pick, or maybe he becomes a piece, you know, in a bigger trade, you know, to kind of maybe just sweeten the pot a little bit. So just another one of the many moving pieces that this team has um, approaching the deadline, which we'll talk briefly about tonight. Um, we'll probably do a deeper dive maybe here in a week or two as we can kind of maybe take shape of what the Wild may or may not have to do um, ahead of the trade deadline. Right. <clears throat> yeah, I mean. It'll be interesting to see all good points. I just I hope we can find a way to sign him because he's had a heck of a senior season and For you sure. know we'll see guys like Swaney making an impact in Iowa who've had kind of bigger senior seasons and just I guess is a good problem to have with a prospect pool like this. Definitely. But like I mentioned, <clears throat> uh, we mentioned earlier the college tourneys are beginning soon. 
a lot of these guys are kind of fighting for seeding for their respected tournaments, like the Big Ten tournament and the NCHC and all the other divisions in college. So uh, fun times. Uh, Pavel Novak continues to score. He scored his 23rd goal of the season last night. He's up to 55 points in 44 games. Another uh, prospect. It'll be interesting to see what happens after the season because I think he'll be able to sign an entry-level contract after this. He's going to be touching 20 years old, so hopefully. Uh, and then O'Rourke and Lambos each picked up assists last night. They're both kind of flirting with a point per game. Uh, Iowa, <clears throat> they won four to nothing, yes, four to nothing yesterday against Grand Rapids, which is Detroit system. Uh, they're kind of breaking out of their slump a little bit. Rossi picked up a goal. He's got forty-one points in forty-one games, and then Shafey scored again. He's got fourteen points in his last twelve, and he's been playing really well. He's another guy to be interested to see, you know, possible call up down the road. Maybe, maybe it won't happen, but. He's kind of one of those guys. I'd be interested to see what happens. And then the last thing I have, Simon Johansson picked up another assist. He's up to 27 points in 50 games. He's one of the top 10 most productive demon in Liga, which is over in Finland. So all pretty good news. Well, good. we got the good news out of the way, so let's uh, let's get into yeah. the bad news. Um, <laughs> there's been a lot of games since we last recorded, so you won't do kind of our normal... Um, game by game breakdown because I think it would just get redundant uh, to a point mm-hmm. where we would just talk about this was bad, this was bad, this was bad. They did this good, but this was so bad that it didn't matter, um, which is I think you can probably fill in the blanks for what those things are. So um, we're just going to kind of reflect back since February 16th will kind of be the focus of this show. So the team's last nine games uh, where they are in that stretch, 2-7-0, and um, and just have some holes in the game right now. They've been... You know, they've been dealing with injuries. Matt Zuccarello's missed two games in that span. Matt Dumba's been out for the last 10 games. Jordan Greenway, I think, has now missed, what, three or four, I think, something like that. Um, they've Zuccarello's been rotating. has been in and out of the lineup. Yep. So just some, you know, we've had Jamie, ben, we've had Jimmy, not Jamie, Jordy Ben and Kalen Addison rotating on defense. Um, it's just, you know, been a little bit weird with injuries. There's been some line shuffling. And it's led to some inconsistencies, but the areas that we want to focus on, and we'll start with with what I think is the most glaring. It's the hot topic on Twitter among the Wild fans. It's sounding panic alarms, and it is the team's mm-hmm. goaltending, um, which has not been good. Um, I uh, crunched some numbers here. We'll go over this to start um, as kind of our makeshift statistics segment as well. So the last nine games, um, this is combined for both Talbot and Kakinen, unless stated otherwise. The last nine games, they have allowed a combined 35 goals against, which is an average of 3.89 per game, so we'll round that to an even four. Um, Goals against average, so basically goals against per 60 minutes, 3.97. They have a really nice uh, 85.77 save percentage, a combined uh, goal save above expected of negative 11.19, Cam Talbot accounts for negative .899 of that, so basically nine goals more than expected allowed for him in his last five starts, Kakin at negative 2.2. They have an expected goals against per game of just 2.65, which is probably not too different than what it's been most of the year, probably right in the middle, pretty average. Um, But the area that might be the most alarming is the high danger save percentage, which is .652. 
uh, 24 high danger goals against on 69 high danger shots against. To put in perspective, because I know it's kind of an, an odd stat, the league average among every goalie who's played at least one game this year is uh, 80.9% on those high danger chances. And the wild goalies of the last nine games are sitting at a .652. Um, so almost, uh, what would that be? Almost 20% lower, or it might be greater than 20%. Um, no, not quite. My math sucks. Uh, 15, sorry, about 15% lower than where it should be at. So, um, not great. Um, we talk about, you know, the total lack of the big save at times. And, you know, we did see a couple from Kakinen last night, but the defense was brutal. So it didn't really matter. And some other weird stuff happened. We can talk about, but that's just the goaltending that got a raw number. Um, not Mm -hmm. good, not good at all. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think, you know, you've pointed out a few times that uh, on the high danger chances in the games, like obviously you're not going to expect, the, you know, it's just impossible to make saves on every one of those because, you know, half the time it might be guys wide open, back door, the empty net. I mean, you know, you're not, you're not always going to make a save, but as you pointed out, usually it's they'll go, I mean, even Cam Talbot especially, they'll go 1 for 5 or 0 for 5, and it's, and it's not asking you to make even, you know, 3 or 4, just make at least one big save a game. You know, you know, especially him, you know, one big save is, I mean, is the difference in some of these games that they've played. I mean, I know they've gotten blown up, but, I mean, you remember, if you, if you guys remember, in that game at home against Calgary, you know, that, that Foligno scored, make it 2-1. to one. There's finally some energy in the building. You know, everyone's like, okay, it's back to the game. And then while it was some blown defensive coverage in that third goal by Lindholm, I mean, you just got to you just gotta come up with a save there when your teams get back in the game and, I think that's been, you know, aside from just not playing well, I think that's been uh, what's kind of hurt them the most is just that how the inopportune times that they've been giving up goals or even just softies and all this is that it seems to usually happen like either right after they've got momentum or right after they've scored and it just has kind of, you know, killed their confidence. And, you know, obviously you don't want to rail and camp tell it that much, but to me it seemed like, in parts of last night's game that, you know, while Capo hasn't been fantastic, that they seemed a little bit more comfortable trying things when in the net. And, I mean, we know, everyone knows if you've ever watched hockey that when, you know, if your goaltender's not playing well, you're not going to feel confident trying things. You're just teams, whole team's not going to play as, you know, up-tempo as, you know, as you're maybe used to. And I think, uh, you know, it's just not, a, it's not, a, it's not like, you know, we're just, the bottom line is we're not asking for right now fantastic play you're just asking for average or even just a tiny bit below average and you know they're, they're kind of getting as you mentioned brett uh, pretty abysmal is, is the there. word like yeah. they're not they're not even yeah. getting close to average right now no nope. um we talked about the league average save percentage on high danger shots is almost 81 percent and the while they're at 65 16 percent lower <laughs> than the league average like that's terrible uh, um and like you can say ah well there's ben fluky yes but it's it's an average, right? Like every team's getting fluky bounces here and there, and at some point you have to boil it down to our goalie's got to be better. I mean, there's been some goals where you just look at Cam Talbot; he's been getting beat on the short side. You know, yeah. we saw last night Kakin, you know, kind of flubs a rebound off the glove, like just these little things. Like he squeezes out a little bit tighter. You know, Talbot on that breakaway goal the other night, like it just seems like he had Flino in the back check. He could have come out, taken that angle away, you know, forced the deke, anticipated it, pushed off, made a save. Like, it's easy for us to, of course, critique me on the couch, you know, and yeah. these guys playing at full speed. But it just seems like these are things that are, like, fundamentally, like, they're just ignoring and they're taking bad angles and not reading the play correctly. 
and not controlling rebounds, like things that you'd expect an NHL goalie to be able to do, they just haven't done it. And I think at some point, you know, it probably does become mental. Justin, you and I talked before the show, and I said, I think, you know, what Talbot might need is maybe something kind of like that third period in Philadelphia where he turned away. I think it was the final 13 shots he faced in that game uh-huh. after giving up four on the first 16 that night. But I, but what I said is like I think he needs a period of that, right? Just to okay, you know, I'm in this game. I've, I've, I'm feeling the puck because I feel like we've seen so often lately. And Zeke, I think this alludes to something you've been all over on Twitter. Is the Wild just frankly haven't played with the lead much lately? It seems nope. teams are coming out scoring early and then they're chasing from the start, which probably changes your whole game plan, makes you more prone to penalties, which we can get into in a second about what happens when they take penalties. But it's like it just, it just everything it seems to pile up and it all starts I think kind of in between the posts. Yeah, I don't have a ton left to add that you guys haven't brought up, but when you allow 46 goals in the last 10 games, that's a 4.6 goal average. Even with our high scoring rate that we're averaging this year, top of the NHL, like top few in the NHL, that's just not a recipe for success. It's, you know, like you guys already mentioned, we'll score a goal and, and then give one up right away. We'll get a power play and then we'll take a penalty during that power play and, and squash that chance. And yeah. it, it's just kind of a whole multitude of things that, you know, I'm not blaming the goalies for it all, but you know, a big save here and there would help. But, you know, I feel like the team could be better too in front of them. I mean, yeah. there are bits and pieces of games where they've played really well and just haven't been able to score just playing really well. Can't bury a puck, but yeah, I mean, they hit what I guess. It had to have been at least three posts last night, yeah. I think, which, you know, That's... two of those bounce the other way in your favor and you win the game and we're not, you know, maybe not having this conversation yeah. as much, but reality is, is the way the game goes is the way the game goes. Right. And I think, I mean, that's been the thing is that, I mean, aside from a couple of games, they still, you know, that's been the case this year, but they still managed to score. I mean, when you're scoring four goals a game, like they have, I mean, they did win in Philly, but if you score four goals against the Buffalo Sabres, you generally should win the game. Right. Uh, in just any game in general, it, you know, if you're expecting to, you know, really do anything with your season. But I think it's, I think, you know, I used to talk about it, but it's tough to figure out exactly how to handle it because it seems what the, what Everson's thought and what the Wilds thought is, is that, you know, you want to, and, and generally what people think with goalies is that you need to play them to get them out of their funk and get their confidence back or whatever. But, you know, with them losing so many games and all these, I mean, they're only like three, four points out of a playoff spot. And if they lose to Dallas tomorrow, they'd be like one or two. Like, it's like you can't really afford to, you know, if Cam is going to keep going out there and giving up four or five goals every game, it's kind of hard to, even though you want you need him to get back on track, it's hard to, you know, really even though that's what to do, just fully trust and, you know, in playing him. But it's, I don't know, it's, 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 uh, it's a tough situation to deal with because you can't really. There's no, there's no move they. I don't really think they're going to make or can make to do anything, and you know that at this point they just really need wins and and I mean you're not going to score four goals every night too. That's the thing. So, but it's yeah no. It, you just got to hope that just like Brett said, just one, even just half a game or one good game where he makes like 30 saves on 32 shots or something or not even that, but just just one good game and you know usually that's hopefully all it takes. Right. Yeah. And honestly, I've, I've been wanting to see a <clears throat> Kakanen 60-40, 70-30 type workload. Just see what he can do in that position. And, you know, again, it's not all on the on Talbot, but maybe, like Brett said, give him a mental break, give Kakanen some mm-hmm. of those starts, see what he can do. Cause we've seen him play well in stretches. So, uh, yeah, maybe that uh, can help us get back on track. 
Yeah, and Kakin, I think, because last what, four games haven't been spectacular, but I don't think they've been poor. Um, I have, I think I actually have his stats in front of me here. Yeah, I do from his last um, four starts. So he's got, you know, hasn't been great, but 80, saving about 90% of the shots, 3.6 goals against, um, goals above expected, negative two. Um, so, I mean, a lot of the same, but it's been better than Talbot, right? And I think, you know, a lot of that may be skewed a little bit by some late events last night. Um, and I think kind of the most common argument that we've seen, which we'll kind of transition the talk here, um, is that, you know, the defense hasn't been great in front of these guys either, which maybe is partially true, but I'd like to throw a counter argument at that. So I'll start with kind of this team's five on five play. So over the last nine games, um, at five on five, they've been pretty equal, um, controlling 50.59 of the shot attempts, um, goal differential of just negative one. Um, which again, I'm blaming that more on the goal to the play in front of them. Um, they control the expected goals for advantage, 50.15%. So just barely over both shot attempts and expected goals, but advantage nonetheless, very equal. Equal um, Expected goals per game of about 1.85 at 5 on 5, 1.84 at expected goals against. So, I mean, it's not like the defense has been bad in front of them if they haven't been getting offensive support. It's been pretty equal. Um, but I think part of the problem that we're seeing in a way is that you know, we they give up this early goal, and all of a sudden they've got to change their game plan, right? Now they're playing from behind. Now they got to be more aggressive, right? They got to get off of that uh, game plan, which you know this is a team renowned for its defensive play. But how many times early in the year did it feel like they were playing with the lead? Then they were able just to go in, get the puck in deep, forecheck for a little bit. You know, maybe you get a, you get off another goal here and there, but now it feels like there's chasing, and it's guys trying to do too much. And to me, that's a bigger problem. I don't think it's so much the defense; it's the fact that they're chasing early on because they're giving up these soft goals. And I mean, maybe it's just, uh, I've kind of pointed that maybe it's just simply because of a couple of players or two. Like I can remember in that Philly game, the goal that made went sent them down three, two by, uh, I think it was Travis connecting. I mean, it was a shot from way up at the point and he was just wide open sitting right in front of the net, yep. with, you know, basically all right behind him. And I mean, you're probably, you're probably right. I and mean, maybe I'm just remembering a couple one or two spectacularly bad plays, but I think maybe, you know, to that point, maybe it's more of, it just seems that, I don't know if it's mental or what it is, but there's just some more lapses in the game. Like there's not the same intensity or, or whatnot or something like that, the same focus or concentration. And like you mentioned, Brett, with maybe being behind that all the time, all the time recently is part of that. And that, you know, you're thinking immediately get the puck up the ice, go down and create offense. But it just seems that for whatever reason, like, I mean, even, I mean, I don't know if like if it's because of the, you know, with like Brodian, for example, I don't know if it's because of the, you know, he's been kind of saddled with the, you know, having Kulikov or Merrill or whoever being forced to play up in the lineup. But, he, you know, even in Buffalo last night, he got kind of beat a couple times, which is kind of that, which is very abnormal for him. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's just the forwards, too. They just seem maybe it's just an overall game thing. Obviously, they're not playing well right now, so it's all kind of tied in. But I don't know. It just seems that they're just really loose. And I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it on the penalty kill. That might be a little bit more accurate. But I don't know. It just seems like they're just not very focused or when they're on their own end and they're just, you know, not really fully aware of who's kind of where on the ice. You know, I, I also kind of felt like we got sucked into playing Winnipeg's game and Calgary's mm-hmm. game, even though Calgary's a freaking good team, one of the top teams in the NHL, I felt we tried too hard to play their physical type game instead of going out, playing our game and maybe, you know, creating more chances that way. But uh, I, I just, a lot of excuses 
But, I mean, you just got to play better. But I, I just kind of felt like we weren't playing our game overall. Yeah. And those who know me know I'm not a huge eye test guy, but I don't really know. I mean, I have to go back and watch a lot of the film and everything to, to kind of back this up. But just thinking back, like, from my memory of a lot of the goals against lately, it seems to me there's been a little bit of a pattern. Um, and it's been rebounds and not taking away the shooters, right? So what I mean by mm-hmm. that is I feel like there's been so many goals where a first shot will come, you know, whether it's from a point or wherever it comes from. It seems like, and blocking shots is good, right? It, not not allowing shots to get to net's good. But I think there's also this other side to the coin of that, yes, it's good to block a shot, but then you need to make sure that wherever that puck might bounce to next doesn't become a threat. Right, So I think this team is getting so focused in on puck watching, they're not taking away the sticks and the bodies of players in and around the net. Zeke, you talked about Travis Sanheim being wide open. right? You had three guys looking to block a shot from the point, you know, a low-danger shot that your goalie probably should stop. Even if you don't block it, he should see that, right? And why isn't your focus on, hey, all I got to do is tie up Travis Sanheim, right? I don't got to block this shot. All I got to do is lift his stick up, let my goalie see the puck, let him deflect it to the corner, and then I think we saw it twice last night against Kakinen, right? We get defensemen three feet in front of the goalie blocking a shot. It hits a shin pad, pops right to an open player, and they're putting in the back of an empty net. If they take away that stick, they tie that guy up. That rebound, yeah, is it still there? Probably. But is that guy going to score on it? No. Um, and I don't think it's a size thing like a lot of people argue. Like, oh, we want Jordy Benning because he's got the size and the grit. I, I don't think it's that. I just think it's in their head, right? Like, hey, I got to block this shot. Our, our goalie, you know. And that, and that could be another piece of, hey, our goalie's not making these saves. I got to block this shot, try to take the load off of him. But I think what they need to do is take away, you know, one way to take away those high danger chances is to eliminate those shots in tight on the net, right? So just tying guys up, mm-hmm. which I think is a very basic fundamental thing. I think it's a thing that's easy to correct. Just change your focus from the puck to the guy out in front of the net. And I think, and like I said, I don't know if this is all the goals that have happened lately, but to me it feels like a lot of them have come kind of right from that spot on rebounds or after hitting a shin pad or something. So... That to me would be a thing I would try. You know, maybe it's a coachable thing. I don't know, but maybe mm-hmm. some I, I'm going to be watching for um, these next couple games for sure. You know, I think I, I, I mean I think uh, it's it's absolutely right. I mean, it's just uh, I mean I guess there's, there's nothing more to add, but it, it, I don't know. It's just there's just a lot of things that just need to be patched up that are just a little bit off, and it's I think we got that one pretty well. Yeah. So let's. Um, Let's talk about glaring issue number two, um, and it's kind of two things. We'll, we'll, we'll bundle it into special teams as a whole, but we'll start with the more egregious thing, which has been the penalty kill. Um, how bad has the penalty kill been? Well, let's take a look. Um, across the last nine games, they have killed 16 of 27 penalties, so that means they've been scored on 11 times um, in the last nine games. That's a 59.3% kill rate. I've given up 11 goals on 6.52 expected goals. The goaltenders are turning away a whopping 79% of the shots on the penalty kill, which so much for your goalie being your best penalty killer, um, and have a negative 4.48 gold save above expected on the penalty kill. So bad by the team, bad by the goalies. The penalty kill sucks. Yeah. I, I'm a kind of group, <laughs> just in general, everything. <clears throat> when you're... Mm-hmm. It's like against Calgary, when you're giving up two for five and going 0 for two, and then next game, like basically the same thing and giving up a shorthanded goal, that's just a recipe for success. I mean, special teams is 
can win or lose games, and I think that's a big reason why we're losing these games. I mean, like the mm-hmm. numbers you mentioned now, but you know, on top of that, I think at times we already said it. They'll get a power play, and then during that power play, they'll take a penalty and, and kind of squash that chance, and that'll be an all for cha- chance. Like, yeah, it's just been bad all around between yeah. power play, penalty kill, giving up shorthanded goals. It's yeah, we talked about like five on five things have been pretty equal, but it's they get in these special team situations and it's like, oh god, here we go again. Like you're holding your breath mm. every time they're on the kill yeah. right now. Yeah, it's, sure. it's just and it's I think with the penalty kill, you know, specifically, I think it's just it's like very passive for whatever reason. Yeah. Like there's not, you know, I mean, I think everyone, you know, if, if you've watched any of the games, you know this, but it's just like you know they're not really challenging, uh, you know, the guys to the puck. They're not putting any pressure on it because. What we've seen, like with Justin mentioned, with their power play struggling too, when you know when Wild have struggled in the power play for long chunks of time this year, you know, overpassing for, mo- for the most part. The first part has been one overpassing, and I think a big part of that too is, is also the fact that uh, some of the, a lot of teams have employed the strategy of, especially on the Wild, that you know the, put a lot of pressure uh, on, on the guys, not just you know get into your box formation right in the middle there and just kind of stand still and you know. Like you mentioned earlier, with uh, being aware of the, the shooters are, I mean, they're pretty much on the kill, just letting, you know, guys move the other team move the puck around, uh, you know, you know, shoot from where they want. It's it's you know, it's, they're just it's not very hard for their teams to score goals uh, when when they get their power plays. And uh, and I mean, like, like Justin said, with their power play, I mean, usually when when Wild on the power play, now it's the other team who gets the best chances, uh, especially last night in Buffalo. And you know, obviously. Uh, I think that's been. I don't know if I remember last year, but it just feels like this has been a theme the last two years, where you know all their special teams, like just said, have been up and down. Uh, the penalty kill on power play, you know, although historically they've generally been better on on the kill, just because of the more defensive structure that they've tended to have. But I don't know. It's just. I think it's just the it's just a passive approach, especially in the penalty kill, where not challenging, not pressuring, and just kind of letting the other team dictate the pace of the play or or the way the game goes. Uh, without you know really because you're not really giving them any reason to rush or to to really have to force a play and, and it's just uh, I don't know it's just really frustrating because with you know the some when you, you just you it's like you can't you can normally if you take one or two penalties a game you'd say okay you, know, you don't want to take any penalties but that's not too bad but you know now if they if even if they're only giving up one power play to the team other team the other game I mean recently those have been the difference in the games with the the amount of goals they've been just giving up there so it's uh yeah no it's a uh, it's that's just it's just another big problem obviously yeah and the issue for me too with the penalty kill has been we talk you guys kind of touched on like the lack of aggression but to me it just seems like when they do choose to be aggressive it just seems to be at the mm-hmm. wrong type of guy right like it they'll be pressuring the guy at the blue line like i and don't get me wrong i love nico stern but i watch him do this a lot on the kill is he'll chase the guy up top and mm-hmm. all of a sudden this guy will start to walk the blue line obviously your goal is to kind of stay in his shooting lane but he'll chase up to the point which all of a sudden that opens up two lanes right one back to the guy mm. on the half wall and now across the ice and now your other forward has to be oh shit now i gotta pick up for this guy and then he pulls off his guy and like the aggressiveness isn't the right time like to me let them pass on the perimeter all the frick they want right but it's mm. yeah it's taking away and then i think the other what we see where the while we talk about overpassing where their passes are getting picked off is when they're trying these cross ice passes right and because obviously the goal of any power plays, you're trying to get to the puck to the middle or get the guys moving out of position for a one timer from the sides. And to me, it just feels like they're being aggressive at the wrong types of guys and at the wrong times. Um, 
And then I think the other thing too is very similar to the five on five. I think a lot of these times we get guys caught watching the puck and, you know, guys, you know, two defensemen focusing in on one side of the ice and leaving the back door open or something like that. So I think, again, it just comes down to being cognitively aware of what's around you. Be more, you know, think more about where the puck is going than where it is now, right? Like the thing that made, mm-hmm. you know, people always talk about what made Wayne Gretzky so good. He was always anticipating where the puck was going, not where it is at the moment. And I think the Wild right now are a team that's puck watching too much in all situations. And I think that's been one of the biggest things kind of just bringing them down lately. Yeah. I'd like to add, I know you're talking about the penalty kill, but I feel like with the power play, I feel like before when it was really rolling, we were making good zone entries, getting set up, getting good puck movement, and getting those really good scoring chances. Now it feels like we can't get any zone entries. I feel like we're more dumping and chasing instead of making a good zone entry. Losing the puck right away, having to go 200 feet again. Air trying like drop passes at the blue line and... Like, don't do that there. Like, at that point, just get it in deep, right? Like, at least try. You, you have numbers, right? Mm-hmm. You should be able to, to yeah. outman them down low or something. Yep. It just feels like they're either trying too hard or just not able to control the puck very well. And mm-hmm. that just needs to be crisper. They need to get back to it. I know we were missing Zuccarillo yesterday, but as good of a player as he is and as, you know, as special as he is on our power play, one player shouldn't make that huge of a yeah. difference. Like, you should be able to slot. Although- like a Fiala yeah. or something to be able to do the same. I, I agree. I, I will say, though, I think he was maybe one of their best players in that game in Philadelphia, obviously. Not, right. you know, like, like you said, obviously, you know, any one player in the league, you know, even the very top guys like David or Matthews, I mean, obviously that's a huge weapon, but, you know, you, you should still be able to at least, you know, get puck in the zone, as you mentioned, and, you know, at least set up and give yourself a chance to shoot the puck. But I think it's just, I mean, Obviously, I th- like you mentioned, Justin, with you guys, just trying to do it all on your own, trying to go one on one to make like you know spin move, backward pass, right to the neutral zone through five guys skates. Uh, I think a lot of that's just maybe habits that when when things aren't working well, obviously that you just you try to force it because you know you're desperate. You, you don't really nothing's working, and I think just overall in the game, it, it's not really a quantifiable thing, but it's obviously just don't seem to have their just not the same mojo or the same confidence, just the same energy where the first, you know, 45 games, whatever it was, I mean, they, they even set it themselves and you could feel it as a fan, like you turn on every night expecting them to score, you know, five, four or five goals and win every game. Whereas now it's like, you know, if they get down by one, it's like, oh boy, here we go. They're going to have to score twice and not give up another goal to win. And it, it just doesn't seem to have the same oomph for whatever reason. And, you know, maybe they're not as good as their record was like 30-11-3, and three, but uh, it just for whatever reason right now, there's just no, it, it, maybe it's, I don't know, it just seems like it's just a confidence thing or there's no, it's not the same, I guess, I mean, it's not cockiness, but just the attitude that, you know, there was even just a couple of weeks ago when they uh, went to, when they at home beat Carolina in a really fun game. Yeah, and, and just to get back to the power play, um, some stats on the power play as well. Uh, four for 26 mm-hmm. in the last nine games, one for 16 in the last six. That's 6.3%. Um, just 36 total shots across those 26 power plays, which is 1.38 per power play, which is not great. Um, you'd like to see that probably closer to two. Um, they have uh, four goals for on 3.36 expected goals for. So the the alarming part is they've scored above what they've been expected to on those power plays. Um, and as a reminder, their expected goals against on the kills 6.52. There's expected on the power play 3.36. So just shy of double 
um, the amount of opportunities their opponents are getting on the power play. Um, while, again, on the power play 26 times, on the kill 27 times. So it's not like they've been, you know, not getting their fair share of chances either way, too. It's just been, um, I think, you, we, you know, we talked about how things have been pretty equal at 5-on-5. Five five. It's glaring how special teams have been an issue um, as well. And, you know, maybe a healthy Zuccarello coming back. You know, they've had Jordan Greenway out in the second power play unit for a while, Matt Dumba. Um, you know, his spot being taken by Kellen Addison, maybe that helps things get right. But it just, it just, it seems like things that are so correctable are just wrong right now. What I will say is there's abs, and I will bet my life on this, there's absolutely zero chance that what's happening right now will continue through the end of the season. Regression will hit this team, right? We talked about beginning of the year, like, hey, Ryan Hartman's not going to shoot at 18% for the year. All of a sudden, month of January comes, his shooting drop down, right? Like, regression happens. Like, these goalies will start to save more pucks again. The power play will start to score a little bit again. The penalty kill will start to, to kill more penalties again. But I think it just starts with getting back to the basics, finding the fundamentals, making yourself a candidate for that positive regression. Because it'll happen. It will. I, I, I guarantee it will. It always does. That's why regression is a thing. That's why it exists. Um, but there's just a lot of things, I think, that just need to get back to basics, you know, be a boring team again, right? You know, play the Jacques Lemaire hockey if you have to. The Boost Brujo, like tight checking, just, you know, like they did against that game against Toronto, the one they lost. You know, they did lose that game 3-1, to one, but I feel like defensively they looked good, did a lot of the right things. A game like that, again, just string that together a couple times. But, man, it's just it's frustrating just to see, like, these things that feel correctable just continue to go wrong night after night. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I'd rather be slumping now than down the road closer to the playoffs. Sure. I mean, you never know what's going to happen, but... We saw this earlier in the season. We were playing well, then we lost five games in a row, kind of looked pretty bad, and ended up winning nine in a row. Now we're back in a slump. It's just the ebbs and flows of a season. And like you said, Brett, just correct these issues, hopefully get some healthy guys back and and get back on the horse. Yeah, and uh, I think the other good thing is that they play 11 of the next 13 here at home. Uh, Where they've before. been very good. That's huge. Yes, yeah, so hopefully, uh, you know, may not be on the road, being at home and all that. We'll, uh, in front of the home crowd will just uh, make that even easier. Yeah, and the other positive, as we touched on briefly, um, it seems the returns of both Matt Dumba and Jordan Greenway um, are imminent, which, I mean, I think we've seen the importance of losing that grief mm-hmm. squad. Um, we've, you know, we've tried other players there. You know, Brandon Duheim, just, it just doesn't seem to click with any other combination of three guys. Though I will say the Deweys and Erickson Eckline seemed like they had the puck in the offensive zone all game last night. Loved every time they were out there. Mm-hmm. Felt like Connor Dewar could have had a hat trick last night. I think he had a yeah. post yeah. or two, a couple other chances, point blank. Erickson Eck was being a menace out in front of the net, as he usually does. Um, Duheim bringing the energy with some physical plays. So I think if you can get that identity line back, get that shutdown line back, you bring some stability back to your blue line. Look, you know I love Kellen Addison, but... Um, I think he's better suited on a third pair than, you know, trying to jump in and being a big minute muncher, at least at this point in his career, still what, 20, 21 years old, like not, you know, not a lot of defensemen are minute munching at 2021. 20, um, I think they, they missed, you know, the energy, the leadership from Dumba. So I think getting those two back could be huge just from an aspect of like, Hey, we have these two guys back now, right? We're not leaning on Dmitry Kulikov to be a second pair defenseman anymore, things like that. So I, I think that will help. So I guess like, I bear this question. I think we just sort of addressed it, but are you guys sounding a panic alarm? Like, do you feel really worried? Or do you feel like this is a slump and they're they're going to find a way to pull themselves out and kind of right the ship here? Where are you guys at? I mean, I'm I'm not panicking. I we know what this team can do. It's just getting back on the horse, like I just said a couple minutes ago. I mm-hmm. you know 
of course we've missed Dumba and Greenway and getting them back will help because you like you said you get those all those lines back you get the Zuccarello Caprice of Hartman back you get the Grief Squad back you get I mean Boldy and Fiala and Goudreau stayed together uh, to this point but I mean you get all these identity lines back and and, and your full decor knock on wood I I just think that can only help I mean mm-hmm. I'm not panicking. <laughs> Yeah, and I no, think I, earlier we talked about. Sorry, you just cut yeah. off. Like, just no, like the, the identity of Dumba to a guy that is the perfect example of a guy who, you know, yes, he blocks ton of shots. I think he led the team at the halfway point, but a guy who will definitely box out, body out, get get guys clear him out of the crease. Like, I think you know, a guy to set that example, I think, will be huge too. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think that's one hundred percent right. I mean, you don't. That's the kind of thing that I mean, as you mentioned, Brett, last night with the. Uh, not only Tial, but the people who like to rag on Dumba, you can't really see on the ice that, you know, obviously you need to get them nice either, but you guys are right. That'll be a big help, but I don't know. I guess I'm not wouldn't say I'm panicking either. I don't think generally I don't tend to panic per se. Like I think even when they've been losing games, you know, I've tried to take the attitude of, okay, you know, it's uh, you know, it's just happened to I me. Mean, like Justin mentioned, they've had, they've been kind of been, you know, I don't know if consistently, you know, kind of back and forth in longer stretches this year, like you mentioned with, you know, the the win a bunch of games and then they'll lose a few games. I mean, this is definitely their longest, I guess, slump this year and the first time where it's really, you know, looked bad. But, uh, but I can know I wouldn't panic. I mean, I would say the loss in Buffalo last night was probably the most, uh, I mean, I guess angry that I was just because of how, you know, they, you know, playing from behind again, they can't, came back, scored a power play goal, take the lead, seemed like they were in control. And then, you know, one bounce off the lines and skates in the neutral zone. And then they just completely fell apart from there. It was a bit frustrating, but I mean, I think, I don't know, like I said earlier, maybe the team isn't as good, you know, isn't 740 point percentage or whatever they had good like a month ago. And I mean, I try to take perspective of, you know, maybe we thought they'd be good, but I don't think many of us thought they'd be one of the top three or four teams in the league like they were for a while at the beginning of the year. And I think, you know, they're obviously not this bad either. Like Brett mentioned with, you know, guys regressing back to Regression. more performance. They're probably not that good, that... but they're also probably not that bad. They're yes. somewhere in the middle, which is like a real good playoff team. And they're going to they're gonna get there. They will. I, yeah, I, I truly yeah. believe that. No, for sure. And, I mean, it's uh, obviously, as people have mentioned, you'd, you know, you'd rather finish in the top three in the Central with the wild card for various reasons. But, you know, that's a conversation for another day. And, uh, I mean, we you know, you've seen, t- you've seen them play too good for a longer stretch for a much longer stretch this year before than they've played bad that, you know, it's just, there's just really no reason to believe that uh, this, what they've played like right now is anywhere close to the actual team they are. Yeah. For some perspective, they've lost seven of their last nine games and they are still the 12th best team in the league by total points. The 11th best team by points percentage. They still have the third spot in the Western in the division, three points behind St. Louis with a game in hand. There are two points in front of Dallas with the game in hand, three points in front of Nashville with the game in hand. Like, they're in an okay spot still. Like, things have gone horribly, and they're still in an okay spot. Granted, it helps when you rattle off some winning streaks. You put yourself in that position. But we knew this was going to be tough. That We know it's a lot of games and a lot of days. You know, the goaltending has been sporadic. There's been injuries. They've had to fight through it. But I think, like, the I don't know if there's a pot. I really don't think it can get worse than it is right now. And like, again, as we talked many times, I don't think it's going to stay this <laughs> bad. So no, seriously, but I'm, I'm optimistic. Yeah. They're going to write the ship. Maybe it's the Homer in me, but it just, to me, it feels like 
we saw flashes against Philadelphia, against Buffalo. They started to do the right things, and then as we as Zeke is we touched on it. Like, it just feels like it's one breakdown here, there, and all of a sudden it's in the back of our net. Like all mm. of a sudden the goalie makes a big save here, there coming up. You know, these games look a whole lot different. And they've scored three or more goals um, in six of the last nine. Like it's not like they're not scoring goals. Um, and I think if you throw out empty netters, I think probably what eight or nine of these have been two goals or a one goal game. Like that's games you're in, right? Like, I don't mm-hmm. feel like they're being horrendously outplayed, like, which is the good thing, right? Like, they're just, they're getting some bad goaltending chasing at times. But again, that's stuff that can correct itself. So I'm optimistic. That's, that's the long story short. We've been rambling, but we're optimistic here. <laughs> um, I guess, like, my last question, kind of taking all this into account, the trade deadline, I believe, is two weeks from this coming Tuesday. Um, do you guys feel like this stretch has like amplified or put a microscope on like, hey, maybe the Wild do need to go out and grab X piece. Like, do they need to go out and try to trade for a goalie like a Marc-Andre Fleury? Do they need to go out and add another defenseman? Is there a need to add a, you know, another center to, you know, maybe replace a Ryan Hartman or a Freddie Goudreau or what have you? Like, do you guys feel like there's that need or you're still kind of like, I, I think we just need to wait it out right up until the deadline? I mean, I think there's always a need. For something, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure what it is with this team, but I'm not gonna want Bill Guerin to make like a panic move thinking we don't want. I got to do the Hansel panic, right? Right. Yep. No, I don't want a Hansel trade where you lose a bunch of these picks and prospects, whatnot. We're in a good position. We're we're not building just for now, even though you want to, as good as we are, you want to contend, try and win a cup. You also know that he's building for the future and doesn't want to give up those those rental assets for someone. You know, rentals don't usually work out i feel like i mean you get mm-hmm. rentals here and there that really make an impact but a lot of times they don't <laughs> and mm-hmm. i mean i'll support what he does and yeah i just don't think he needs needs to make a panic move though yeah i, I agree i think and i think the good thing is we've seen with uh with bill garen he doesn't seem to have that uh be susceptible to making those you know knee-jerk decisions mm-hmm. uh, you know i mean we saw his first year I mean, we, we've heard Russo say that, you know, he could have traded guys like Fiala, even Eck, early on that first year if he wanted to, but he, you know, resisted that, you know, gave it some time. And I think, you know, that's from that standpoint, I don't think we have to worry too much about that, that, you know, he's confident and, you know, the planning is built out for how he wants to build this team up. And, I, you know, you know, maybe he's not entirely telling the truth. Like when he says, I don't know, when, when the, they all say that, you know, we thought we were contenders coming into the year. I don't know if I completely buy that, but I think at the same time, I, I think. I mean, every GM that, will probably tell you that, right? Well, yeah, like, they're not yeah. like, ah, you know. know what? I thought we, yeah, I thought maybe we were yeah. a fringe playoff team. Like, they're all going to go with high expectations, they're ne- and they're For never sure. going to tell you otherwise. For sure. I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe unless you're the Coyotes and you spent your entire season well, like taking on yeah. bad contracts <laughs> and no unit rebuild, or you know, Chicago's new GM just came out and said, "Yep, like we're going to rebuild this." Like, little mm-hmm. bit different situation, but I would say like two thirds of the NHL has the expectation that their team is a contender. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, and I guess on the, you know, on whether they need to, you know, really do anything. I mean, it's, it's tough. I think, you know, a couple, even a month ago, I know we were on here on this podcast and a lot of the fans where it was like, you know, go and add that, that another center or forward, like go add, you know, Claude Drew or somebody like that back when they were really rolling to, you know, really take advantage of the last year with cap space. And obviously, yes, you know, that's going to make the next three years harder. They're not going to be in that position to really make moves and improve their team. And they'll have to hope that, you know, the guys that they have in their system are going to 
improvement fill in that space. But this year, I mean, it's it's kind of tough because, like you said, you don't want to make knee-jerk reactions to a 10-game sample size. I will say that I think it was in Russo's Gamer last night, and maybe some other people pointed out too, that we've been talking about the defense. And, you know, he kind of pointed out that it it's a little alarming that it seemed, you know, the last five years uh, that the Wild have been basically – even this year with Dumba, like one injury to their top three or four D away from really being exposed there. I mean, you see then. Right. And I like think John going Brown, into think, the season, I think that was something we talked about yeah. on this podcast. Like, what's the thing you're most worried about? And I think mm-hmm. we almost said that verbatim as like an injury to one of the top mm-hmm. four defensemen. Right. And I, and I think the good, I mean, the good thing at the beginning of the year was, you know, we were, seemed to all be pleasantly surprised with the new additions. But I mean, at that point it was when they were playing their roles, you know, you weren't having, mm-hmm. John Merrill and Dmitry Kulikov playing, you know, the heavy minutes with Jonas Brunning out there. So, and I know there's been, you know, there's the debate always about you need to be big and tough to win the playoffs, which, you know, I don't, you know, there's the people who want to, want to tell you they should trade their captain because it helps side hooks their size problem and gets rid of cap space. But, you know, I think, I do think that they could maybe look at adding another NHL level defenseman, you know, maybe not just target him just simply for his size, but I don't, I don't think it would necessarily hurt either to have a guy who's a little bit more plays a little more rugged game, who's a little bit more, I guess, tough in that sense. You know, who's at the same time better than a Jordy Ben has been, which was originally what he was brought in to be. Um, you know, just somebody who can, who's not, you know, really just not going to be a liability. Like, doesn't have to be, uh, you know, a high end guy that you're giving up assets, big assets for, but just you know, so, somebody that uh, just can you know, maybe provide some more depth or maybe not even depth, but just, you know, play some needed minutes now that with, like Brett mentioned, with the amount of games coming that, you know, I mean, we've heard, I think Ruth speculated this, like maybe eventually they'll start coming up soon and say, hey, if a guy's banged up, like maybe you don't need to play them every night. And maybe if you have another guy in there, that would help. But I don't know. I think I've just switched overall to, if you're going to make a move, I think now I would, I think it would be smarter to address the D than it would to be looking, you know, at your forward group. Yeah, it's tough for me because, like, the need would be a top four defenseman if your top four isn't healthy, right? Because for me, it's like, all right, so they go out and they trade for a top four, but okay, you know, who comes out, right? Like, if everyone's healthy, like, you're going to bench John Merrill, who you just handed a a three-year extension to? That's true. Probably not. (laughs) Like, that would be a weird message to send to the locker room. Like, hey, we extended this guy three years, but... uh, now we're going to go trade for this other guy and then throw you on the bench. Like, is it Kulikov, who's, like, a good third-pairing defenseman? To me, like, maybe it's Alex Goligoski, potentially, that you're maybe you're throwing someone there with Spurge. Like, that's the weird thing. If there's not an injury, I don't know who comes out and, you know, what kind of message that sends. Mm-hmm. And I sort of feel the same about, like, maybe, like, you look at a goalie, but, like, you're probably not bringing in a goalie unless you're sending one out in the same trade. So, like, if you do go, maybe, you know, say it's a Marc-Andre Fleury, like, I just chicago want talbot back like i don't know that's kind of like the moving pieces that just kind of make me think like to me I, they're they're very much a situation like they really have to see what happens over these next two weeks and kind of mm-hmm. plan that trade deadline accordingly to me the top of the list would still be adding another forward um because i just think you've seen when they've lost kind of on those top nine just at how the bottom six seems a little bit weaker like they have a lot of like sure. fourth line caliber guys like nhl players but I think they kind of lack that depth of a, of a top nine. You know, maybe that is a Beckman or a Rossi, um, you know, in the event that, you know, Greenway went down again. I think personally I'd like to see, you know, maybe let, call up Adam Beckman, throw him with Kaprizov and Hartman on the first line. Keep Eck and Felino on that shutdown line with a Duhamer, a Dewar, and 
you know, maybe create, keep that identity, that checking line more in tune instead of bringing up like a Mason Shaw, right? So th that would be mm -hmm. like the two things I would kind of be hoping for, I suppose. You know, sitting here listening to you guys, I, I'm just thinking, <laughs> I would like to see whether it's for the forward or defense, an Ian Cole type trade where you don't give up a ton. You give up something to get someone that's very solid. He didn't necessarily do much offensively, but he was very solid defensively. He just, he was solid all around. I mean, it sucked losing, losing him in the off season. You wanted to see mm -hmm. him sign him. We, you know, we all know that situation, but I, I feel like the high end guys, like the Drews, the hurdles that we'd give up way too much for what we need for the future here. These entry level contracts, it's just a tough situation to be in. Yeah. I mean, we have the cap space to do something this year, but you also don't want to give up too much for the future that you're going to need. Yeah, just another week mm -hmm. of me not envying having to be Bill Garen no, or the Wild. Definitely Brass. not. <laughs> That's why we're couch sure. DMs and not yeah. actual yeah. DMs. <laughs> They're on cap friendly. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe if you're lucky, if you just wanted to fast forward into the podcast, here's a long story short. The Wild, the last nine games have been terrible. It's mostly because of the special teams, the goaltending, and some loss of identity in the defensive zone. Um, we believe it's all correctable, that it'll, the ship will write. Maybe it's not in the next week, but I think give it a week or two. I think this team will get back on track. I mean, even if they play, they could probably play 500 the rest of the year and still make the playoffs be fine, probably be a top three team, right? Like, which, mm -hmm. and I think to me, that seems like a worst case scenario. They go 500 the rest of the year. But that's the TLDR of this show. And like, trade deadline? Yeah, let's wait and see still. Let's see what happens. But um, on the docket coming up, um, Wild not wasting any time. They're right back at it. Uh, tomorrow, a home game, rival game, divisional rival. Dallas comes to town for a Saturday afternoon matinee. And then a nice tough test at home with the Rangers in town on Tuesday. And then back-to-backs against some weaker opponents next week again with Detroit and Columbus Thursday, Friday. Saturday off and then uh, at home for Miko Cuevo's jersey retirement next Saturday against Nashville. So, like, some winnable games in there. I think you look at Dallas, Detroit, Columbus, like all teams below the wild in the standings. Seems that, you know, on paper they're probably better than. We saw them play a real solid game against the Rangers on Henrik Lundqvist's retirement a couple weeks ago. So, you know, a good stretch of games here. You know, you just had... Philadelphia, Buffalo, two weaker teams played okay against those teams, right? A couple bad bounces maybe lead to a loss, couple extra goals, but feels like this could be a week where they could maybe right the ship, maybe squeak out some wins. Get beating a bad team can ne you know is never a bad thing. Sometimes that's the confidence boost that you need. So if they can maybe just win one of those games commandedly, um, could set them up for for a nice run and getting things back on track. And it's I don't know if I haven't read today, but I think both Dumba and Grimmick could be back or expected to be back maybe on Sunday. Something like Zuccarello. Yeah. Zuccarello, I think Everson was very optimistic he'd be good to go. So could be fully healthy again too, which knock on wood. Hopefully that would be a good yeah. thing as well. Knock on wood. Yeah, yeah I, I noticed a couple of the biggest games, like the guys that are right around us, Dallas and Nashville are, are on the docket. So it'll be a, a fun yeah. week of hockey. For sure. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think that I know I think that winning that game against Dallas tomorrow would be huge. Uh you know, obviously, you know, they've been, I think they're 13, four and one in their past 18 games. Uh, you know, with the, I don't know if anyone else noticed it, but, uh, you know, with Robertson getting his hat trick last night, I was seeing some Dallas fans, you know, apparently they're still salty about uh, a rookie of the year award from a year ago. And they, you know, got to pull every point power play, even strength stat to try to say that he's better than uh, 97 here but you know we, we obviously don't care about that but i think it's just a, a big game to win i mean they're hot recently you know they've been kind of hot and cold but you know really been coming out recently i think jake ottinger has been really good in goal 
for them. So uh, yeah, no, I think it. Uh, I think it'd be a. I think that'd be a good way to start out as you know division rival team in your division who's you know kind of right up on your tail suddenly at this point. I think that would be a, a really huge win to just kind of you know play a just really good game all around would be a great way to start it off. Yeah. So if you're at the game tomorrow, cheer loud, bring those boys some good luck. Um, any final thoughts here, gentlemen, before we wrap up? Um, are somewhat negative, but brought it po- started off positive, brought it down, then brought it back up. Yeah. That's what we do here on Sound the Foghorn. I, I guess all I'm going to say is it's a long season, 82 games. These guys are human. They're going to go through ebbs and flows. We're in an ebb. We're going to be right back into a flow soon. So don't flip out too much like we all see on Twitter. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, no, I think, you know, for me, uh, you know, I will actually be at the game uh, tomorrow afternoon. So I think it should be fun. I'm going to be, last two times I wore my Winter Classic jersey, they got their ass kicked, so I'm going back to the reverse retro one, hopefully. There we go. Uh, we get the reverse jinx or whatever there a little bit in the wrong way. But, yeah, no, uh, that'll be fun. Obviously, like I mentioned, the top high school tournament next week. Uh, be a lot of fun. You know, Wild will still have two games that Thursday and Friday night. So, you know, you can pretty much watch hockey all day if you have the time. It should be a blast. And yeah. just my last thing, too, is uh, I, I don't know if anyone else does it, but it's been a, a, a couple, you know, this weekend, like yesterday, last night, I just like looking at the NHL scoring leaderboard and seeing a guy with other team name, Minnesota, in fourth. It's amazing. I mean, 68 points, 52 games. Obviously, we've talked about, you know, 97, Karisov, his sometimes is, you know, penchant of turnovers at times. But I think, uh, you know, that's the, another other positive. And even when, uh, you know, he's not played his best, when the team's not played his best, he's still, you know, producing every single night in the score sheet. And, uh, you know, obviously we could set it a million times, but I think it's uh, it's been a special season and it's, you know, just enjoy. I mean, really think about it, probably the best season, individual season of any player in the history of this team. Yeah, for all, for all we know, it could be his best season at the Wild. You never know. Um, you never know yeah. when an injury could come along or something. So, as you said, for enjoy sure. it. So, big game against Dallas tomorrow. Big games every day for the rest of the year. Um, Wild a chance to right the ship. Um, hoping for a, maybe a fully healthy lineup tomorrow. We'll see what happens um, with the guys that are out, see if they'll come back or not. Um, but we can cross our fingers and hope. Um, but, yeah, I think that'll do it for us. Um, I think the plan will be back to our regularly scheduled program of the Wednesday show this week, hopefully. Um, so just two games to break down. But, hey, we, we, we can handle that. We did it with one before. So um, hopefully they can do some things right and we can reflect positively um, as we approach um, Wednesday and heading into the state tournament, maybe do some preview of that, maybe do some picks on here. I know Zeke's going to go with a homer pick, probably pick Maple Grove, but that's fine. Um, can't blame him for that. So um, that'll do it for this week's show. Uh, Justin, where can everyone find you and your work? You can find me at DEs2004. You can find me at Kaprizov, see with Kaprizov Countdown. You can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. Zeke? Uh, you can find me, uh, as usual, on Twitter, at Zeke Boyat. I'll have, you know, everything there. You can have my, find my screaming in all caps and whatever else you can find right there. All right. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well, both on Twitter and Instagram, at SoundTheFoghorn. All one word. We're hopefully back at you with a Wednesday episode. Um, So call this a bonus episode, if you will. But until then, this has been another episode of Sound the Fun.